As promised, it's the news, according to me. Oh, good morning. It's Thursday morning, Thursday, December 7th, 9-11. 9-11? Why does that number keep popping up? Nine, uh, no, it's not 9-11. It's 9-11 in the morning. It's, it's December 7th at 9-11. Well, that's odd. There's some interesting dates. Uh, the, um, I think I'll, uh, I'll just end up with that. The, the, uh, yeah, good morning. It is, I've got it. Okay, okay. What, what are we, what are we doing here? What's, what's going on? I, I got so many things to talk about and, uh, it is already late in the morning. I, I really had, I, I, this, this, yeah, it's my first day off of three. So I'm kind of, tomorrow morning, I'll probably be able to get up a little bit earlier. Today was nice to just sleep in until the dog started whining and crying about needing their breakfast. I had to get out of bed. Yeah. My, uh, my poor wife is is very sick. She's got some, yeah, not just not just, you know, she's got some uh, really bad cold. She has she has what I had. I, th- I think she's got it worse than I had it. Seems like I, she's she's really not doing well. She and she hasn't had. I don't think she went to, went into work yesterday. I think she actually took the day, she took a sick day. And today she's going to try to work do some uh, some meetings over the phone. I think. But uh, she, uh, yeah, she's not looking good. I mean, she's you know, I mean, she looks always looks good. Don't get me wrong; she, she always looks good. But she's not looking looking uh, like she feels good. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's nasty stuff. It's uh, gets in your chest, gets in your head, sinuses, whole thing. Not a lot of fun. I have in my, uh, I call it my recovery cup. Actually, I'm back to doing chai. I did, I'm doing chai this morning. I was going to do regular tea. Regular tea does really help kind of clear my sinuses up a little bit better, especially when you put honey and thyme and, well, what is it, what's the other thing? I, oh, wow, the, yeah, coconut oil. I usually, sometimes I put a little creamer in there just to give it a little flavor. I also have some backup sweet tea from uh, Culver's. It's the old Culver's sweet tea. It's okay. It's not, it's not the fun. It's, it's consistent. It's very consistent, and they never, I've never had a bad tea from Culver's. It's, it's, it's never been funky, but it's, it's nowhere near the quality, uh, flavor wise. And, and just the whole thing of, of a, a bad sweet tea from Chick-fil-A is still better than a good tea from Culver's in my opinion. There you go. It's the scale. That's the scale of tea. It's all relative. So I have a I have a bunch of stuff. I, I actually wrote a list of things this morning. So this, this could end up being a 12-hour a show because it's, it's, there really is enough material out there right now. Um, I could pick any one of these things on this list and talk about it for an hour easily. And easily. Uh, uh, got that old chai, chai thing going on. The Cinnabon creamer. That's good stuff. <sighs> anyway, so I have... Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Um, of course, now the debates. I, I, there's, it's like every other night there's a Republican debate. I don't. And it's, and nobody. I didn't even know it was coming up. I had no idea it was going to be there. And all of a sudden there it was. And I'm just hearing reports about it this morning. I mean, I, I did hear about it yesterday. Something about saw some. I, I did spend a lot of time uh, traveling yesterday. However, I did. I, I had to go to. Uh, oh, where did I go? I went, Oh yes. How could I forget? 
went to Newark, New Jersey yesterday. That was fun. I have, uh, yeah, that was uh, Newark. If I have any listeners in Newark, um, it's a great place. I just, I love that place. I love the, I love the people, the people there actually, it's, it's kind of interesting. The, the, the normal, you know, the average normal everyday people there are really quite amazing. It, it's, uh, they're, 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 there's not much really any, with regard to veneer, I, I, I kind of rate people kind of differently in certain aspects, but like a group, people groups, you know, the areas of cultural issues in certain areas. Not rate them on a you know whether they're good or bad necessarily, but just kind of how they're what their character is like, um, and I, I would describe the Newark, New Jersey folks. Yeah, they're, they're typical Jersey, but they're also it's pretty much Newark is pretty much the whole state. <laughs> it's a small state, but it's uh, oh boy the, the the flying in and out of there is beautiful. It's just uh, it's amazing. Because of course you have, you know you're taking off and you see the skyline you see all the you know, New York New York is right there it's pretty pretty amazing but uh, the coastline is always really very pretty however you know people there are are very much um, it, they're just kind of who they are they're they're not um, they're they're not I'm not saying they don't everybody has a certain amount of self deception in their life. They think that there's something they're not, typically. Or they have their, a perception of themselves that's usually askew. Um, however, the uh, people, folks out there just kind of, if, if they got an opinion, they'll, they'll let you know. And it's, you know, or, or it's not so much that they're obnoxious about it. It's just that they, they will tell you what they know. If, if, if you ask their opinion, they'll give it to you. Typically, that's just, that's a typical mentality out there. And, uh, and it's kind of, in some ways it's refreshing. In some ways it's kind of annoying, but it's, um, it's, it's not bad. Not a bad thing or a good thing. It just is the way it is. Okay. As I was, yeah. So, so yesterday wasn't a show. Now there could have been, a, I almost did a show. I, I was, uh. So I was sitting someplace. Sorry, I could have, I could have done a show on my lap on my not my laptop. I, well, I could have done it on a laptop, could have, but I could have, could have done it on the on the uh, iPad. And I, I opted not to do that. It's just the quality just doesn't. I, it's just not the same. And it just once I get the file made, I have to kind of manipulate. I still have to pull my iPad out. I still have to do some other things. I have to, have to find a way to get it onto. I can do it on Podbean's not too bad because they've got an app, so that that works pretty good. But I really like posting things on Castos, and Castos, um, it just they just have better analytics on there. And it's, it's that on that one when I post stuff on there, it's uh, I have to go to the website, I have to do a lot, lot more juggling of the file. It's just a little more, more, uh, more of an issue. Now, okay, enough 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 about this stuff. Let's get on with the show because we got a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot of things have been vocalized over the past. Um, Few days actually, just just this week, uh, over the last weekend and, and this week, uh, things have been said, and I, I just I haven't had a chance to really let them soak in 
to my brain and let it, you know, process all this stuff, kind of unpack it in a way that's palatable for the show. And I think it's, uh, it's stuff that's worth talking about. There's, you know, Hillary Clinton has been out there making some statements um, both about climate and as well as about uh, Donald Trump. And, and that, she just doesn't know when to shut up. She just needs to go away. I guess people are still interviewing her, still asking her questions. I, I think that, the, you know, they're, they're mostly, they're not anybody mainstream most for the most part. Um, you know, they're trying to keep her husband out of the, out of the mix completely now. I think, I think people are onto the, the whole idea of, hey, why, why, are, why was Bill, why, why did Bill ride on Epstein's plane 23 times or whatever it was? People are now showing up some of her events and they ask and just they'll get the microphone. They'll ask that kind of question. There's this one. There's one guy got dragged out of a, an event. They dragged him out because he, he stood up and asked that question. Why was your husband on Jeffrey Epstein's plane 23, 20 sometimes? I think it was 27 or 23 times, something like that. Some ridiculous amount of times. Why is the, why are the flight logs and the, in the, all the other things hidden? Yeah, of course the FBI has them. And there's the Hunter Biden laptop, speaking of the, the FBI, the way they've treated that whole debacle and, and everything that's going on with that, how they've, how they've managed to make it look like, oh, it's, it's been tampered with now by Rudy Giuliani and the Russians. There's a, a knucklehead on the left who is just all, constantly runs disinformation. You know, the, and the FBI, speaking of the FBI, they have been... As I've been digging into more of the things that they've been involved in, it, it is really evident to me. It becomes, there's a trend and it's, it is a standard modus operandi. It is a, a standard SOP for them. When they come in to uh, take over a, an investigation or situation, whenever they get involved, the dynamics of the activity of the local reporting of the local law enforcement reports, everything changes. It starts to fall into a particular narrative. And it is becoming quite alarming and quite obvious now. And they dupe the American people constantly with this stuff. They're, they're playing the American people in general like a fiddle. And of course, the, their leftist media folks just go right along with it because they're, they're a part of the machine. And I dare say this, I, the more it gets into this kind of thing, the more you can see a, a direct parallel Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to go there. The, um, in, in the past, I, I worked with a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of people with addiction and, and a lot of issues in life, just a lot of problems, a lot of, a lot of troubled issues. Um, I, you know, before I was married, I had this, I lived in this house where I was, I, I was in charge, I guess. I was the, I was a young kid. And I was in charge of this, um, we kind of called it a, a discipleship house. It wasn't, 
It wasn't really that, but that's kind of what it was. Uh, sometimes the local authorities, uh, judges would release folks into our care, our custody, so to speak. Um, it was kind of a step between probation and jail time. They, they were allowed to, instead of going to prison, they would be uh, put in our care at the house. Because they didn't quite qualify for prison, but they, they definitely had to be on probation. But, but they weren't, they just weren't sure about, you know, they just needed some help. And so the, in a lot of cases, the judge would rule that they could, they could stay at our house. And so we had, I think up to one point, we had like 12 people there at the house. Um, three of us were leadership. And I was supposedly the, the head leader. Now there was, I was, you know, I was working, there was another ministry that oversaw that. I, was, I wasn't the, the guy who ran the, ran the house or owned the house or anything like that, but I was, I was the guy who lived there. I was the head inmate. And they, they were able to get jobs. They were able to do, you know, they were able to, to work in and out of the house. They could come and go as they pleased, but they, that's, that, that was their residence. They had to report in, you know, they had to be there in the night. They had to be there at nighttime, unless they had a nighttime job. But that was, that was their residence. And there weren't any other real stipulations on them. They could kind of do as they pleased. They could come and go. If they had a car, they could drive, whatever they could do. Most of them didn't because they, most of them were DUIs. Lost their license, lost all kinds of things in life. Trying to turn their lives around, trying to trying to make it, you know, straight. You know, they did have to go to, we had Bible studies in the evenings, and they would have, they'd have to attend those. And um, they, had to, they had to participate with the chores and that kind of thing, the cooking and the cleaning. And we kind of had a rotating schedule of who did what. And I, I can't remember exactly why I got off on this subject. But, but people, uh, people in general, um, have a way of well, where did I where did I start from this thing? Something with the FBI. But the uh, the general. You know, feeling in a house like that is, you know, people are trying to help each other. But then you get into squabbles, you get into, well, you know, he didn't clean this thing, he didn't clean that, didn't, well, you know, it's not my turn to do this, I don't want to do that. But, you know, you get into some, some, some of these, some types of things. But people would be kicked out for just little, little infractions. I mean, I was, I was kind of surprised. The, the guy who was really in charge of, you know, who would be there, who wouldn't be, who was approved, who wasn't, wasn't it's not me. I, I wasn't the guy who was able to approve that. But I had to live with him. I never refused. I, I probably could have. There was one individual I thought about refusing, and I'm glad I didn't. He, he, uh, I, I, I thought the guy was going to kill me. And I, I was tempted to lock my door at night, but I knew I dare not do that because my bedroom door, because I, I, sometimes people come to you in the middle of the night to need something. And uh, the good example of this, this, this is <laughs> one, one guy did come to my door at the middle of the night. He didn't, didn't knock. He just opened the door. He said, hey, are you awake? I said, I said yeah, I'm awake. My, my doorknob would even just twitch. I'd, I would wake up. And he, uh, he, he was contemplating suicide that night. 
He had it all figured out. He had a plan. He had the knife. He had everything. Everything he was going to do. And he decided he was going to talk to me first. And he, you know, he pulled through. He didn't, he didn't, didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't uh, made the right choice that night. But the the point that I'm trying to make, and I guess to get back to my original subject, the, the parallels that I see with some of these agencies, so the FBI, some other alphabet soup organizations. I have seen, I have witnessed the, the work of our enemy, our opposer. If you, if you understand, we, we have a, a, there's a term, um, I, have, I don't want to get too deep into this, but if, if they have, there's a, th a thing called, you know, the, the, the opposer. Now, that we, in, in our country, in westernized culture, we, we consider Satan to be our, our, uh, our enemy. He's the, the antichrist. He's the anti, you know, he's the, the, the God's enemy, so to speak. The, and, but the term, the, the, the word Satan really means opposer. So it, it, and it's not necessarily an evil word. It's not, it just means one who is in opposition to whatever. Um, Actually, light would be a Satan to darkness, an opposer of darkness. You could, you could say it that way and it would be accurate. But that's not, and our Western mind has a hard time wrapping around that because we have always referred to Satan as the, you know, Diablo, the devil. So, and I'm, all, I'm, trying to, I'm not trying to, this is all just side information, uh, trivia stuff, but, but, What's important to understand is to understand the works of, of the, the, the opposer, the, the, the enemy of our soul, how, his, how he typically operates. Now, he's very cunning and very, he's been around a while, very tricky, very deceptive, extremely so. He's deceived everybody on the planet except for one. He'll even throw scripture at you occasionally to try to deceive you. And it's, it's interesting the parallels I see between the way the kingdom of darkness works and the way the certain organizations function. Their agenda, their politics, their general tone and attitude is... I have no other way to explain it. it just, it's demonic. The manipulation, the gaslighting, all of those things, the fear-mongering, and they don't even see it as that. They, they, they don't understand. They think that there's something to truly be feared of Donald Trump, from, from Donald Trump. And they are now ramping up this rhetoric 
Hillary Clinton, I wish I, I, wish I had the, the audio for this. I, do, I don't have it. I, I really wish I did. I was looking for it this morning. And you know, when you just type in Hillary Clinton, just type in, go to, go to a Google search, type in Hillary Clinton or go to, go to YouTube. I usually use YouTube, but it's, it's Google. Type in, you're looking for a video of Hillary Clinton making recent statements about Donald Trump. Everything that's on there is like seven years old or four months old or five months old. Everything else has been scrubbed from searches. Well, you can find it. What you can find is on other channels, people who have reported on it might find it there, but you won't find it in the general search. They won't, it doesn't come up. Because most of the people talking about it are people from conservative organizations. And of course, they, they filter those things. Or they're dog-legging those things. So you won't, you won't, you won't find it. Because I thought, well, it should just pop right up here. She just said it this last week. She was at some kind of COP thing, a COP thing, uh, global climate change thing, summit somewhere. And she was going on with these numbers about the numbers of people who've died because of climate. 60,000 people in Europe have died from, from climate for over the last year, whatever, whatever it was. That, that is so hard to, of course, then she makes this comment. And I really need to find this recording because the way she says it, I don't think people catch it, but she says, you know, because other countries who don't have the ability to count, because, they, because Europe has the ability to count and keep track of these things. Oh, and Africa doesn't have the ability to count and keep track of things. Because they can't count down there. It's the most, one of the most racist things I've ever... Like no other countries have the ability besides these Western countries. They, they can keep track. They can count and keep track of things. It's really, really, if you look at... We're just supposed to expect that all of Africa... And folks, that's not the way it is in Africa. They're general... I mean, as a general rule, there are, are, are very, you know, disconnected areas in, in Africa. But I'm telling you, they've got, you know... You can go find grass huts there. And, you know, if I was in Nigeria, I, I saw grass huts with television antennas on it. And that was back in the 80s. If you don't think they have the internet there, you're out of your mind. The big cities are definitely connected, and they could definitely keep track of things like that. Far more people die from cold than heat. And she was, but she was saying that it was all heat. The vast majority of overheat. We never, we never get the numbers. And just, just the, the, the lying and the cheating and the... The rhetoric, the, it just continues to build and they just continue to go over the top with this stuff. And people never stop and ask any questions further from, like, where did you get that information? Who, who's the resource of your information? I keep hearing about these, all kinds of different numbers. And they, I've heard numbers as high as 25,000. I've heard of half a million uh, people have been killed in Gaza. 15,000 people have been killed in Gaza. That's the number. People mostly land on that number. Well, 15,000 people have died in in Gaza. Okay. That was, you know, you've been saying that for the last two weeks. So nobody's died no more have died in the last two weeks. It's just, that's a good number. That's a good round number for you to put out there. Because I think if they get too far into that, you realize there would just be bodies everywhere. And every time I'm hearing it now, I am so appalled by the number of lies coming out of the reports. Sadly, I'm getting really thick skinned to this whole thing. I, I just, I don't know. I don't believe it anymore because I've just caught them in too many lies. And they could be telling me the truth and I'm going to sit there and go prove it. I, I'm not going to just believe your word. 
I'm not going to take your word for it because you've been lying about everything so far. 15,000 people, show me the bodies. My reaction is, show me the bodies. Does that include the 500 that died in that hospital that, uh, that Israel bombed? That they didn't bomb? That somebody, one of your own missiles were launched at Israel and landed in a parking lot and nobody was hurt? Is that, is that the 500 you're talking about? Is that, was that, is that included in that 15,000? And I could go on and on with stories all day about that. that that's the most prevalent one. Th- this kind of thing. And what, what angers me most about this is now I can't trust them. And that makes me angry because I'd like to be able to trust the, the, real, not, the real numbers here. I'd like, to, I'd like to know the truth. And I'm afraid I'm not getting it. And that just makes me more angry at the people involved in this thing. And I'm telling you, most of the people who are making up these numbers and coming up with all this garbage statistics are people who aren't even in Gaza. Supposedly 60, I think 61 reporters now, journalists, have died in Gaza. And now we're seeing these letters from people. I don't think I'm going to make it another day or week. I'm obviously going to die here. And, and I see pictures of the streets, areas that have been bombed, and I don't see any bodies. Uh, that, that may sound, maybe, maybe, they're just, maybe they just can't put those kinds of things on the internet. I don't know. But you would think they'd be plastering everywhere. They just come up with numbers. You'd think, the, you'd think that pictures like that kind of, st- they would just be posting those all over the place. Now, a lot of them are staged. And that, that's the other side of it. There have been some, some photos that have gotten out recently of them staging bodies, staging funerals. Of course, when the cameras are turned on, oh, no, then they go crazy. They, they go crazy. They could start pounding their chest and they start doing all these because the camera's on. Because they, they know that that's going to get, that they can make a deal out of it. It's, supposedly there are 40,000 Hamas soldiers there. So if 15,000 have died, how many of those were soldiers? How many of them were civilians? And how do you tell the difference? There was a video of, uh, they realized that they actually got caught a video of uh, somebody had, tra- had, had actually put on the internet somehow of Israeli troops were moving in and the, uh, some, some Gazans were pulling them, pulling these people out. And this one lady, they were kind of dragging her along, kind of making her come along with them. And they were trying to, somebody else was trying to cover her face. And then they did an analyst an analysis and they realized that she was actually one of the hostages. And you couldn't tell from, you know, from one person to another who was a soldier and who wasn't. They look, they look like civilians keeping this lady. So all the, the lies and deception and all the crap that comes back and gets filtered into our media is, is very distorted. I, there was, I happened to run across, and I wish I, I was driving at the time, and I happened to stop at one point and I was, I listened to this one video. I, I listened to a lot of stuff on as I'm driving and I, I came to a stop at one point and there was another thumbnail clip came up with another 
another video, news report about things going on with Hamas in, in Gaza and what we're being told. Happened to click on it, and it wasn't somebody I subscribed to, and I should have. I wish I would have subscribed to it. I wish I would have downloaded and saved the, the uh, report. It was about a, it was about a 40-minute report. It's fairly lengthy. This lady really was hitting hard on all of this of these subjects, of all the issues with Hamas, the UN, the way the UN has been involved, the way they have shot, shut people out from being able to leave Gaza. It's the UN's policies that are keeping Gazans from being relocated. They need them there. They, they need those people there to make an issue out of this because they hate Israel. The UN is no friend of Israel's. Not anymore. Not like it was in 1948. Not after the war. There was this monumental empathy, I think, that people had with uh, that uh, most people had with with Israel at that time. That's why they ended up getting their nation back. I mean, there's this kind of this compensation thing for what had happened to them. And it is just, it's become very, of course, polarizing, as most everything does these days. These days. But frankly, I, I don't, uh, but, she, but she laid it out in very plain, plain language. It was, she was very, it was a very good art. If I can find it, I will try to find it again. Uh, it should be in my history of what I've listened to. I'll try to go back and find that report. I'm going to take some notes because she ha she had statistics that were actual like dead on and they, they were obviously correct. I mean, it was, her her math worked out as I was hearing it and as I was I was going through it, through it in my head. I'm like, oh, that yeah, that's that's true and that's true. And she was like citing UN policy. She was citing other other policies from other nations and things that are that are going on there and why they're how they're using this. And of course, it all comes back again to some of the CIA policy that is that is in place. How, and how they are dealing with this whole thing and how they're playing this whole thing out to be, you know, to rev people. Now, now, the problem is, the problem the Democrats are having with this right now is they're caught in the middle of this whole thing because they've got a radical side of their party, which is actually pretty much a, almost a majority now. Because traditional Democrats have left the Democrat Party. They're leaving in droves. They're realizing that the Republicans are now the traditional Democrat Party. The the JFK-type Republicans, or J JFK Democrats are are... They're pretty much Republicans. Now, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is not necessarily. He, he, I would say he's probably more in, he, that more than more in line with Republican Party, Republican ideals anyway, ideology than he would like to admit. And, I, and only I think the only reason he probably isn't switching over to that, and, and, and like people like Tulsi Gabbard haven't, haven't switched over to that, is because. Of Donald Trump being so polarizing, they, they don't want to go so far as to say that they're going to approve of Donald Trump, Donald Trump, and that's that's their problem right now. Because orange man bad Trump derangement syndrome has gotten so bad that, that people can't see past can't can't just see him for who he is and, and make up their own minds. They have to go along with this narrative that he's going to somehow start executing people in the streets. And this and this this rolls right into another. Another subject right now, and this is, and again, Hillary Clinton is at the middle, in the middle of this, some of these talking points. She's talking about, and and oh, who's the other one? Liz Cheney, was just being interviewed again. What? what who cares? By the, and by the way, I, I don't know why anybody would think would care anything about why, what Liz Cheney thinks. But then why would they think? Why would they, why would they care what I think? I don't know. Maybe it's, 
There are people out there that care what you think. I don't know. Liz Cheney's not the kind of person who, who, who challenges people with questions to, to help them think. She, she just comes out and tells you how you, what, you know, what you should, what you, what you need to know. Because she knows. Because Donald Trump is going to be an enemy to the Constitution. He's going he's to cancel the Constitution. He's going to stop. He said these things. He's going to be a dictator on day one. Donald Trump came out on Hannity. This was kind of. And he, I think he says this kind of stuff just to get the, the left's heads to pop off. He said, he said he's, he's not going to, somebody flat out asked him, are you going to be a dictator? I'm not going to be a dictator except for day one. <laughs> day one. <laughs> except for day one, I'll be a dictator on day one. So, so Hannity's like kind of backs up and asks him, uh, so what, uh, so what do you mean by that? Well, I'm going to, we're going to close down the border. Going to secure the border, and we're going to do you know, a couple of couple. We want to start drilling for oil. Like I said, we're going to drill, drill, drill. Which is just a return to the policies he had before. What he basically means is it's going to be like a lot of executive orders. It's going to put back in place that Biden got rid of for the first week in office, which is just destroyed everything. If, if if Orange Man Bad did it, then we must get rid of it because obviously it was wrong. And then they blame him for why the economy t- took a tank after that. So well, it's his fault because he put those things in place. And then when we took them out, they went, went south. So it's his fault. They're going to blame him for the whole thing in, in Ukraine. They're going to they're blame him for, well, he's the reason that, that Ukraine's, by the way, uh, Ukraine's in a bad shape right now. Um, we, we really need to be praying for those people. Uh, you know, Putin probably would have settled for just taking certain provinces there, certain regions, certain lines being drawn, redrawn, and then the war would be over. Of course, uh, Vladimir Zelensky was, was willing to do that at one point. He was, he was ready to, to, to negotiate with them, and the U.S. came in and said, no, you're not going to do that. NATO came in and said, you're not going to do that. Speaking of NATO, uh, interestingly, Tucker Carlson heard Donald Trump make this statement. I think it was one of the first debate of the 2016 election. He came in and made this statement. He said, he said, you know, what is the purpose of NATO? Why, why do we even still have NATO? Now, if you remember, NATO was designed around the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore. The NATO alliance was all about fighting the Soviet Union which is gone, but NATO still exists. And now Russia is on their own. Now there, you could say, well, it's to fight communist Russia. That's not why it was, that's not why it was put in place initially. So, you know, one would have to ask, what is the purpose of, of NATO? And I think he asked a valid question. And of course, Tucker Carlson realized, you know, after he asked that question, he thought, well, that's kind of a silly question. Then he started thinking about it. He's like, no, that is actually, that's a valid question. But why is nobody else asking that question? And one of the things I did, I did put up, and of course, this is, you know, it's all because of the military industrial complex. That's what it boils down to. But I want to um, 
bring up this one one thing I did record. Um, it is oh, I screen recorded this. I didn't even. That's interesting. So I just saved it. Actually recorded it. Um, I want to play this, and um, I think that it's. Uh, we will take gonna, support. Yeah, I'm gonna, from Okay. The it's it's a short, so it's kind of it loops on itself. So I'm going to try to play this, but this this gives you an idea of the establishment, the military industrial complex. Uh, this and but so the debates happened last night, and you've got these establishment Republicans in there. You've got Chris Christie who's defending Nikki Haley because she is now the the poster child for the establishment, and, and you'll you'll find out more about that in a little bit, which is making Ron DeSantis incredibly uncomfortable. I don't if you if you saw him if you saw any clips of him at all or any watch the debate. He is incredibly uncomfortable with Nikki Haley. He's very upset with the fact that the establishment has not backed him. The establishment was one – there was guys in the establishment that were coming out and telling him. They were the ones whispering in his ear to run for president. He had a lot of them in his ear. The same people who were trying to get into Trump's uh, cabinet and trying to – they were the, the inside snakes that had all the, quote, experience and kept getting in there. With all of their, uh, it's just, just in my opinion, they were just snakes. So they got in there, and uh, they got in the cabinet. They got in there, and they were undermining everything that Trump was doing. Was Bolton was one of those individuals, in my opinion. Bolton, I think, I think Trump knew Bolton was a snake, and I think he put him there. It's like you know, keep your enemies close, and your or your friends close, and your enemies closer. Kind of thing. I think that's kind of what that was about. So I don't know for sure what um, what was all going on there, but I know that there was a lot of underhanded stuff happening behind the scenes. Now, Chris Christie, of course, is in there. He's, he's saying Donald Trump's going to be convicted of a felony before the election, which he won't even be able to vote in the election, but he's, you know, which, you know, there's nothing saying that the president can't be a felon. That's interestingly enough. But a felon, felon, convicted felons can't vote, apparently. So he's going to be unable, uneligible to vote. However, he will be able to be the president. And of course, this convicted felon thing is going to be an issue at the Republican convention and the Republicans if, if the GOP establishment is able to take over that convention, if they're able to control that convention, you will see a civil war within the, 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 the Republican Party because the base is going to uh, totally abandon them. I guarantee you. They're going to try to disqualify Donald Trump to be on the ballot. And because they will. They're coming out and saying, you know, Liz Cheney has said, at all costs, we must keep Donald Trump from being the president at all costs, no matter what the price. She's coming out and saying the quiet part out loud, which is the end justifies the means. Who was the guy who came out and said, who will rid me of this? this uh, I need to find that quote. Um, who will rid me of this troublesome priest? That, that's what that's the guy. Who is the, who is the guy who said that? 
Who will rid me of this troublesome priest? A quote uh, attributed to Henry II of England preceding the death of Thomas Becket, the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1170. He, he was the one who came out uh, openly speaking about the king, King Henry, and his, I think he, what did he have, like 12 wives, whatever he had. Uh, they all, most of them died, strangely enough. He he um, he was kind of kind of the John the Baptist type in the face of the king, and he came out and said, "Who will rid me of this troublesome priest?" Now, James Comey came out and accused Donald Trump of of being that that guy with regard to James Comey. He thought he was you know he was the priest, of course. In the story. And James Comey was, you know, the high and mighty one whose poop didn't stink. Still thinks he's that way. Because he's so ethical. He teaches ethics. He's got to be the most ethical person on the planet. So, Nikki Haley, um, this is what she's, this is, Megan Kelly, this is a very good question, by the way. And, and, I, I'm not a huge fan of Megyn Kelly. She's not, not a bad person. I just, I'm not, I think she's, I still think she's kind of phony. I think she's got some issues, but uh, at the same time, um, she did ask, she does ask some good questions occasionally. She says, this is one of them. Don't give her credit where credit is due. So we have, um, this is, this is Megyn Kelly. Uh, let's see if I can pull this up real quick. Service in 2018 with just $100,000 in the bank. Five years later, you're reportedly worth $8 million thanks to lucrative corporate speeches and board memberships like you had with Boeing. Boeing. Weeks ago, you met with Wall Street heavyweights, including leaders from J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and BlackRock. Several other billionaire investors are reportedly ready to endorse you, or recently have, all of which comes with expectations. Aren't you too tight with the banks and the billionaires to win over the GOP's working class base, which mostly wants to break the system, not elect someone beholden to it? In reference to donors coming on board, look, we will take support from anybody we can take support from. That pretty much explains Nikki Haley in a nutshell right there. She'll take support from anybody they can take support from. And like Megyn Kelly said, there are expectations from that. When they give you money, they expect things. They're not just supporting you, oh, because we like you. No, it's because you're going to play ball with us then, right? We're going to get the things we need from you, correct? That's, that's primarily what that's, what's going on there. So in the midst of all of that, this is Nikki Haley, she's, she's fine with that. And if you look at, at you, know, you can't see it in this, even not even in this video, but Ron DeSantis is incredibly uncomfortable during just being on stage with her. He just makes, you can just tell he's very uncomfortable because he knows he's losing his grip on the GOP establishment support and he needs that because he doesn't have the grassroots support that he needs because the grassroots support is going to Trump. This is going to come down to a Donald Trump, Nikki Haley event. And I'm telling you, Nikki Haley is the establishment pick. It will be business as usual 
and I'm she is a very bad choice for America. That's all I'm going to say. Everybody's going to celebrate. Oh, female made it, the president. We got the first pre- female president now, and she's Indian, I guess too. I don't know. I would never have guessed that just looking at her. I don't know. I just didn't. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. Vivek Ramaswamy, I guess, really laid into Chris Christie and Nikki Haley both. Chris Chris Christie actually stood up for Nikki Haley at one point and said, "Oh, well, Vivek's over there. He's the biggest blowhard and blah 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 blah." Like, really? That's the pot calling kettle black there. And a comment about Vivek and his big mouth. That's like what Chris Christie's. That's that's what he's known for. That's his. That's his. That's his brand. He's just jealous somebody else is doing it better than he is. Yeah, well, the drugstore called, and they're out of you. That's what. That's the kind of you know. <laughs> not a very, you know, he's he's not good on the stingers. Just put it that way. And he probably stays up at night trying to figure them out, trying to trying to actually write the you know stingers and. But they can come up with them on his toes, and he just can't stand that. So we have a, an interesting lineup, this whole thing. And the rhetoric that's coming out of the mouths of some people, like Liz Cheney and some of the, the leftists, of course, now they're parading her around again because she, because she was a Republican. She's a Republican. So they have to bring her up. And because you know, she's anti-Trump. She's Republican. And she's making these statements, and so and Hillary Clinton is too. That goes right into the MSNBC stuff that I played a while back with with Rachel Maddow, how saying how they're gonna he's gonna persecute his enemies, he's gonna he's gonna execute them. He's going he's going to persecute them, prosecute them, persecute them, and execute them. Hillary Clinton's saying the same thing, and now Liz Cheney is saying the same. He's going to kill. He's going to. Shoot people in the streets. He's going to, there's another guy came out saying that he's going to uh, send the U.S. military out in the streets to kill people. He's going to, and imagine where, how things would be right now if, if, if we had Russia going on, or this thing with, with Ukraine, we'd be in World War III right now. This is what, what Eric Swalwell said about somebody, said about him the other day. He was, he was a, he's been on some kind of interview with somebody and he's just, well, just imagine how bad it would be if, if Donald Trump were in charge right now. Um, none of this was happening when Donald Trump was president. And it probably wouldn't have happened if Donald Trump had, had remained president. But all, now all of a sudden, Poopy Pants Joe is in, in, is in the office. I, I hate talking about him that way, but it's, you know, what is, okay, where's a diaper? I don't know what else to call him. So, so, He's, now, he's the president, supposedly, and uh, all this stuff starts happening. And, of course, now it's Donald Trump's. Imagine how bad it would be if Donald Trump was in charge. Well, that's, that's the old straw man thing. It's the old gaslighting. Oh, my goodness. If, if, or, cause, you know, because he's a monster. He's a fascist racist. It's interesting how so many people of color. I heard, I heard, I heard a guy the other day, speaking of people. I heard a guy the other day. He's. He was, he's a black man. And he, he just said, he's a black American. We call him, call him what he, he, he said, 
I'm not an African-American. I'm not a person of color. He said, first of all, I'm an American. I happen to be black. And I'm not saying it with the passion and the, and the, uh, the, the, I don't know, the language that he used is much more eloquent. But it was very profound, the way he said it. Maybe I can find it. I can play it back again. However, it's worth uh, it's worth pondering. I think it's where we need to come to as a nation. Uh, Candace Owens, by the way, has been really pushing back on a lot of things. She's been some, doing some interviews. Um, been pretty active. She, I think she's still pregnant. I think she's she's had her she's had her baby yet. She's probably getting really close to having it at this point. But she's been doing a lot of interviews and really just laying it out, just just flat out, just I call it filleting people. When she, when you uh, slice and dice people's arguments or their statements with the truth. She's really been letting people have it. She, she is extremely uh, just well-grounded. Kids call it based now. We used to call it well-grounded. You're well-grounded. Now it's based. You're based. Whatever. So, yeah. I've got, I've got about 10 minutes left in the show. I'm just going to move on to some other, other stuff. I'm going to look at my list here and see what I got. Look at my, my little list here. I was Rush Limbaugh used to do. Formerly nicotine, steam, same fingers. I, don't, I didn't have nicotine, steam, nicotine, nicotine, nicotine. I got some nicotine, nicotine stained fingers. All of a sudden, I was from Appalachia there for a second. I have, um, yeah, we talked a little bit about the, the Hamas stuff and the Hillary statements, uh, the whole thing with, yeah, okay. Now, there's, uh, let's do other subjects I want to talk about real quick. One is this whole Hunter Biden thing. Hunter has gotten himself into a, a bit of a quandary here because he didn't take a plea deal. And now he's stuck. With, well, he's not stuck. Well, he's stuck. Um, the DOJ is basically stuck with having, having to go to trial with this thing now. And basically he's up against the DOJ, which is the DOJ is run by his, his father. So this is Hunter versus Biden, basically, in this whole thing. And they're not sure what to do with this because there's, there's discovery issues on both sides. And, and Hunter is trying to blame Trump for this stuff, for this whole, this whole he's calling it a witch hunt and, and Trump's behind it. He's, he's the one putting pressure on people to, to go after this whole thing. Well, right now it's in the DOJ's hands. And the DOJ has to make sure they don't look too biased. And I'm sure they're trying to make it easy on him, but they're, they're, they have also can't play their, they can't show their hands completely on this whole thing. So it's, it's an interesting situation. It's quite a quandary on both sides. It's a quandary nonetheless, though. So, so I don't know what they're going to do with this. It'll be interesting to see how this works out. So, um, now, there's a guy who, who's, a, who's a shill for the left. It was, it was asking... Uh, Talibi, he was a, uh, Talibi was the guy who we still own Twitter, I think, or not, not Twitter. Uh, uh, what was it? He was running some, some kind of social media thing. 
or he, or he was a major, he was a major journalist of some kind. And he, he ended up um, going before Congress again. And this, this guy was going on and on about this, this laptop. Well, it wasn't a laptop at all. It was a hard drive. Well, it was the hard drive. I don't, apparently, this guy doesn't understand how a laptop works. A computer has a, a, a hard drive in it. If you have the hard drive out of it, it's no longer a laptop. It's a hard drive. But it's the hard drive from the laptop. So calling it the laptop is just mean, means this is the information that was on the laptop. It's now just a hard drive because it was pulled out of the, out of the computer because the computer was crap. The motherboard went, went out. So they pulled the hard drive. Several copies were made of this. There's actually a copy of it online that people can go, go see, I guess, somewhere. I've, I've never been able to do that. I've never, never actually done that. But there's a, a way to find it. I guess all this information is online. Now, the FBI has not authenticated the information that's on it. So therefore, they have this, this excuse to say, well, it's never been authenticated. Rudy Giuliani or the Russians might have, might have this, this guy's on record asking to leave you these questions. He's, he's saying to him that basically, oh, you're, you're saying that this is, and the New York Post put, put this thing out, put out that this is, the, this is the Hunter Biden laptop. Has all this damning information on it. And now he, so he, he's caught, he was going down this line of questioning and, and Talibi and this other guy were just like, what, what, are you ta- what are you even talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And, and then the guy tries to come up with these statistics and it was, this might be another good video to, to analyze this whole interaction between him and this guy. But he's obviously trying to point out, oh, see, therefore it wasn't. So you don't know. You haven't authenticated. You don't know if it's authenticated. Well, uh, just because the FBI didn't say it was authenticated and you're saying it's been tampered with. Um, so people got somehow deep fakes of Hunter Biden doing all this crack and talking about you know, all these audio recordings of him talking about buying, he's on, literally on crack at the time he bought guns. When I bought a gun and he was on crack at the time. And he was also had other issues going on. Wasn't even, he purchased a gun illegally, basically, is what he did. Broke the law several times and he disposed of the gun, of another gun, I guess, illegally within a school zone. Put it in a dumpster. Well, you go out and try that, see how it works out for you. I'm sure you'll get off with, you know. Now, and speaking of which, this whole case with his dad is, is really heating up now too as well. But that, um, they've painstakingly gone through all kinds of very detailed information about what's going on with the whole Hunter Biden uh, businesses and other, other countries. Now here, here is, and this is an example, I'll just, I'll just close with this because it's pretty much down the wire. I was going to talk about the university students and how they're, or the university professors, how they're being called before Congress right now and asked, is, is it okay to, for students to speak out calling for the death of Jews, for genocide? Oh, it depends on the context. Okay. Just, 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 it's just a yes or no question. No, it's not okay for them. All right, so this, so this, this whole thing, the, the day I knew for sure, and I don't know why anybody didn't come up with this question, because I, I, I thought of it on the spot. 2020, Joe Biden and Donald Trump were in a debate. And Donald Trump said something about, 
Hunter Biden has taken millions of dollars from China. Now, at that time, everybody was talking about Ukraine, and he said China. Now, we knew China was somewhat involved, but we had no idea. Donald Trump already knew it. He's taken millions of dollars from China. And then the response from Joe Biden was, I don't, I, um, well, okay. First of all, he gets asked many, many, many times over the course of, of, of those months when he was running. Have you ever discussed any of your business, any, any of Hunter Biden's business deals? And he says, no, I, no, I, I've never discussed any of my son's business deals. Uh, we, we never talk about any of his business deals. That, you know, it's a standard answer all the time. No, nope, ne- never talked about any of his business deals. I don't know what he's doing. He's the smartest guy I know. Never discussed anything about business or done anything with business. There's a wall there. Okay, we don't talk about it. I don't, I don't talk to his business people. I don't know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so when all of a sudden the accusation comes out that Hunter Biden has taken millions of dollars from China, Joe Biden says, these are all lies. My son has never taken millions of dollars from China. From, from this, what he says is this, this China. Uh, Joe, uh, I got a question for you. If you've never talked to, to Hunter about your, his business, business deals, how do you know whether or not he's taken millions of dollars from China or not? How can you stand there and emphatically say he's never done it if you've never talked to him about it? The appropriate answer there would have been, I know nothing about it. I, I, I don't, I, maybe he has. Maybe, maybe he's done a good job and he's made millions of dollars off of China. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. No, the answer was emphatically, no, he's never taken money from China. How would you know that? Did one of his, maybe it wasn't Hunter that told you, maybe somebody else, maybe his secretary told you that? Maybe Jim Biden told you that? How did you find that out? How do you, how do you know? But my, my next question would be, how do you know he didn't take millions of dollars? If you'd ever discussed anything with him. Did somebody else tell you? Did you look at his paperwork? Or maybe you got, because you got a cut from it? Or you didn't get, maybe you didn't get all your cut. And now, here, if, you look at the, if you look at the math on this, this is what's interesting to me. I don't think anybody's caught this yet. I, I'm surprised nobody said anything about this. There were a couple occasions where Hunter Biden got a lot more money than Joe got paid. And what ends up happening is money goes into a particular corporation. Well, that, co- that money then goes to another corporation. Well, I should say some of that money goes to another corporation. I think Hunter Biden was keeping it secret as to how much money he was actually getting from some of these places. And he was skimming some off because he had to give 10% to the big guy. If you do the math... He receives a payment into one shell corporation and then a portion of that goes to another shell corporation and then 10% of that, it typically goes to several different corporations, and 10% of that amount somewhere along the line goes to, to, his, to his dad. So I think his dad only knew, I think, I think Joe only knows about a certain number of corporations. He's probably given privy information to XYZ Corporation, LLC, and he just thinks that that money came from China. 
Oh, look, they paid him $200,000. Now he owes me 20. I get 20 of that. Interestingly enough. Now, uh, there are other people. Was it it might have been Nikki Haley. Who was it that got $400,000 a year for two, two years? Almost, almost a million dollars. Um, I don't remember who else it was. There was somebody else that got, oh, no, no, it was Joe Biden. Joe Biden got, got $400,000 from uh, UPenn, I think it was, and uh, two years in a row. And during that time, of course, now he made some speeches and, and had some interaction with students. During, and of course, now Jeb Bush was also a uh, professor and whatever they call him there. It's, you're not really a professor, but you're, you're given an office and stuff there. During that time, millions of dollars rolled in from China investors into the, into the university. Now, keep in mind, the office at that university is where they found classified documents. That was the first place they found them. And I don't know who found them. I'm sure it wasn't his lawyers. And I'm sure it wasn't, it was probably just the general cleaning staff. Probably some students ran across this stuff. Well, how'd that get in there? I don't know. Why did you do? I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm just Joe Biden. I was probably on the train, running back and forth on the train there. And I don't know what just happened to you know, fall into that closet. Just mistakenly got picked up. Well, I'm going to turn him in right away. Oh, okay. Well, then you're off the hook. How, we know how the, you know, documents got into Mar-a-Lago. They were officially sent there under lock and key. And they knew where they were. National Archives had no idea these documents were sitting in a closet in a, in a, in a university. But that's okay. Oh, just, just a little snafu. Yeah, well, whatever. All right, folks, it is Thursday. I'm going to try to maybe possibly, unless there's some other big news event, I might try to put together some actual audio clips of some things that uh, have occurred, some of the things I, I mentioned in this particular show. I have those available for tomorrow's show because I, I really want you to hear these people f from their own mouths say these things so that I can analyze them, my expertise. By the way, I'm not a doctor or a lawyer. I'm not a epidemiologist. I'm not a... I don't know. I'm not a, not, I'm not a machine, folks. I'm not a, I'm not a machine. I'm just, I'm just one man with a microphone. A lot of opinions. I don't have any, you know, financial counseling advice, authorization, or certification. I'm just a guy that's on here talking about stuff. Stuff that you need to know about, I think. I don't know. I, stuff that I need to know about. God bless, folks. I will talk to you tomorrow. Pray for this nation. Pray for our leaders. Pray for Ukraine.